This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 90th edition of Sports Untold on RainierAvenueRadio.world. My show was known as Sports and Stuff for about four years, but now the show is being called Sports Untold. Uh, I have a very good guest today. My guest is the University of California at Santa Barbara basketball coach Joe Pasternak. Uh, Coach Pasternak took the UCSB Gauchos, the NCAA tournament this year. Um, Coach Pasternak previously coached at the University of New Orleans. He he was an assistant at a couple Pac-12 schools. I think we're having a lot of fun today uh, learning about your career, Coach, and kind of getting your thoughts on uh, basketball. I appreciate, Coach, you coming on uh, Sports Untold. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, Coach, first of all, I want to kind of get in your background. I'd like to learn how you got the basketball coaching bug. And I think the listeners will be interested to learn how a gentleman who never played college basketball became a division one college coach. Tell us about your journey, uh, coach. Yeah. I, I, I got the coaching bug in fifth grade. I, I just loved watching college basketball and I was short. And I didn't think I would be able to have a profession in the NBA. And so from that point on, I just was totally locked in, focused to become a college basketball coach. And um, I chose to go to Indiana University and to be learn under Coach Bobby Knight um, and learn how to coach and learn um, from one of the greatest of all time. And so I was fortunate that I was able to become a manager at Indiana. And that's how... Uh, it all began. What a, what a journey. You know, I want to ask you a couple of questions, uh, Coach, about Bobby Knight. And, and he, he's known as being a pretty controversial guy in many, in many ways. And I'll tell you a quick story. I worked at a law firm once, and I was an associate of firm. And one of the partners said to me, this is partner A talking about partner B. He said, partner A said, you know, partner B is a smart guy. He's a talented lawyer. But the way he communicates with associates and everybody, it's way too Bobby Knight. It's just too hardcore. And the 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 the, the partner referring to his partner referred to as like the Bobby Knight syndrome. Is that do you think that's a fair way to describe Coach Knight as being really hardcore, or is there a lot more to Coach Knight that a lot of people don't know about? I think the media um, the media portrays. Coach Knight in one way they see him throwing a chair or acting crazy on Sports Center. But, you know, I was there for four years as a student manager and I was very fortunate to be in every practice and um, you know, on the road with him and in the locker rooms after games, before games. And you know, I, I'd say uh it's unbelievable how uh the qualities he instills in his players and managers for that matter. Um just the loyalty he has, you know, I mean, we lost a game one time and after the game, uh, he would have burned victims or paralyzed individuals and he was meeting with them and, you know, former players getting them jobs for the rest of their lives and preparing these young men to be successful for the rest of their lives. He's very, very demanding. And, you know, that can come off, um, when you're very demanding that, um, that, you know, that that's controversial, but I think, every player to a man would say, former player would say, he prepares you to be successful in life. So uh, you, you would say Coach Knight is a tough guy and a perfectionist, but he, he has a soft spot and can do some great things for people too. Is that a good way to break him down? Uh, absolutely, yeah. 
Um, well, I, it's, it's interesting to hear your perspective as somebody who worked with uh, under Bobby Knight. You know, in the 1980s, uh, Coach Pasternak, there was a book that came out by John Feinstein, the famous sports writer, A Season on the Brink. And I think it maybe was Feinstein's first major sports book. And, and he profiled Coach Knight. And it, it was a, Coach Knight came across as pretty caustic and tough in that portrayal of Fein, that Feinstein had of him in his book. Any thoughts on that book? Are you familiar with that uh, book? And I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I've read, on. I've read the book. I've read the book. And, um, you know, I, that was in like 1987 when I think he won the national championship. I wasn't at Indiana at that point. But, um, you know, again, I don't think a lot of you can be that way anymore, the way Coach Knight is. He's one of a kind. Right. Players and families have changed dramatically. But, you know, what I would say is, uh, for me personally, being able to learn how to teach the game of basketball, the X's and O's, the uh, preparation for a game, and just an unbelievable work ethic and loyalty was, for me, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I'm so grateful. I still utilize, you know, game preparation that we used to do at Indiana to this day. Well, you definitely work for a famous uh, American basketball coach. This is Paul Schneiderman on the 90th edition of uh, Sports Untold on Rainier Avenue Radio dot World with uh, UCSB coach Joe Pasternak. Uh, Joe, you I read about you a little bit before this interview, and you coached the University of New Orleans. And I and maybe you can fill in some gaps here, but apparently there was some tough. It was a tough situation with some financing issues and so forth. Can you share with the listeners, Joe, what kind of lessons you learned long-term dealing with a very tough situation versus New Orleans? Yeah. You know, um, I was great. Among us head coach in America. Went from, and uh, the coach before me was Buzz Williams, who's now the Texas A&M coach. He stayed for one year after Katrina, and he left. And, you know, for me to come home, it wasn't a very good job, or I would never have gotten it at my age. Um, there were a lot of problems there. But um, we had a great first year. We went 19 and 13. And then after that first year, they announced that uh, that the university could not support financially Division One basketball, so it was going to transition out of Division One. So I lived out my contract and then went to Arizona as an assistant. But uh, it was an amazing first job because although it, was just, it wasn't just being a head basketball coach, it, there were a lot of problems. I was a firefighter every day with coming out of Katrina. And um, it was a great, great learning experience for me on a daily basis. Well, you probably learned a lot more about how to deal with tough situations as a coach as well, I would think, long term. Yeah, it was it was uh, really um, an incredible learning experience for me on a day to day basis of dealing with adversity. You probably install that in your in your uh, student athletes as well, uh, Coach Pasternak. I read and I remember this that um, you took UCSB, your current team, to the NCAA tournament this year. I, I believe you guys lost to Creighton by one, right? Yes. Uh, but, but it must have been a real accomplishment getting to the tournament as a coach. And would you say that that's definitely considered one of the defined and seminal accomplishments of an American Division One college basketball coach is to get to the tournament? Doesn't that kind of put you into into kind of an interesting fraternity as a coach? Yeah, I mean, I you know, all my life I've dreamed 
I think every player dreams of playing in the NCAA tournament and every coach dreams of coaching in the NCAA tournament. And so um, it was unbelievably probably one of the most special moments of my life. Oh, I bet. And, and, and you got pretty close to, to getting the second round uh, in that in that Creighton game. I, I remember watching a little bit of that game. Um, Coach, I, UCSB is in the Big West Conference. Um, for the listeners, there's a bunch of California schools in that in your conference and the University of Hawaii. Can you share just some tidbits of information about the Big West Conference? Yeah. Also, you know, you coming from Seattle, our best player this year, the reason we won the player of the year in the Big West was Ja'Cory McLaughlin from Tacoma, right. Washington. So um, we, and then my second year, our leading scorer was Armand Davis from Tacoma as well. So we, we've had two great players from the Seattle-Tacoma area. Love it. Um, but the, the Big West Conference uh, is all of California, and then with the exception of Hawaii. So we go to Hawaii every year, but UC Davis, Long Beach State, UC Irvine, those are some of the teams in the Big West Conference. Is the travel for the California schools getting to Hawaii and for University of Hawaii, does that present any complications at all for the for the programs? No, I mean, it's just a long flight that we okay. dread every time. No, but getting to Hawaii is never too bad, though, is it? No. Once you get there, it's beautiful. To say the least. Paul Schneiderman again on Sports Untold on Rainier Avenue Radio with the UCSB head coach Joe Pasternak. You mentioned a couple of those kids from Tacoma. I know Tacoma pretty well. I used to actually live in Tacoma at one time. Um, any other players to watch uh, for your UCSB uh, team that uh, you rec- that you uh, want, want uh, my listeners to give a special uh, some special? No, I to? think we're going to have. Uh, you know, we played Washington last year and uh, or uh, my first year, and um, we had a, a young man who was a freshman back there, Mamadou So. He'll be a senior this year. I think he has an opportunity to be the player of the year in our league. And then we have a transfer from Oregon, Miles Norris, who is a Pac-12 player. Who we're really Seems like there's some good, so ki- good kids to watch. Yeah, we're excited about the upcoming year. You know, Coach, you just mentioned uh, that one of your players is a transfer. And I, I'm reading that there's some more. The NCAA, NC2A has enacted some more liberalized rules on player transfers. And I... Uh, help me fill in the gaps. I think generally they, they don't have to usually wait a year now. How do you feel about players being able to uh, freely transfer more easily now these days? You know, I think it's really a tough situation because um, for coaches and players, because teams are going to be hampered with and coaches are going to go back channels to recruit your own players. And it's a really tough situation because there's no – um, situation where they have to sit out a year. There's no penalty for transferring anymore. So if a, if a player doesn't like what a co- how a coach is coaching them, they can just get up and leave and, and have no penalty. They can be eligible immediately. I think it's going to really um, have – there's going to be a lot of uh, tampering with play, current players, and I think it's going to be a really tough situation for teams and coaches to deal with. Kind of, kind of a new era, isn't it, with dealing with transfers? Absolutely. You know, Coach, I, I, I heard of an argument once about this uh, when this discussion of transferring came up a couple years ago. And, and, and one of my uh, colleagues, he's a, he's a big basketball guy, 
he said, well, that the, the coaches and administrators and uh, university staff don't have to wait a year to transfer. Why should the kids have to wait a year? Do, do you buy that right. uh, argument at all? You know, my, my only point would be, you know, I, I really believe that by players not being able to uh, be penalized for transferring, it creates a lot of bad blood because other college coaches through back channels are going to recruit our players. That would be number one. And number two, how you coach the individual, if they can just walk away and not have any penalty to transfer, that's a tough situation. And, um, you know, I, I just believe that college coaches, in fact, can take another job, but in their contracts, they're penalized. And so <clears throat> whether it's financial reasons, there's buyouts, and I do believe kids should be able to transfer if the coach is no longer there, if he leaves to take another job or is fired. And there are ways to protect sure. uh, players. You kind of like to see more conditions attached to a more liberalized transfer. Absolutely. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Hey, you know, Santa Barbara is such a great town. I know you're good friends with my cousin, Josh, and, and uh, you know, it's one of my favorite uh, American cities. There's a reason why Santa Barbara is called uh, America's Riviera. Um, do, do you find that, that, that Santa Barbara is a good recruiting tool um, as part of your recruiting of, of, uh, of kids? Absolutely. You know, when kids come and visit, they're blown away by the beauty of Santa Barbara. And um, I can't tell you, I've never been to a place that's more beautiful than Santa Barbara. It's, it's paradise, and that's what I call it. And I think all players and their families fall in love with it when they come here. Just a great part of Southern California. It's, it's really a tough-to-beat place. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Paul Sharman again on Sports Untold on Rainier Avenue Radio with Coach Joe Pasternak. So, Coach, um, you are a Jewish-American coach, and there's there's uh, some others, not tons, but some others, like Bruce Pearl, and you go, go back to history. There's like Red Auerbach and Red Holtzman. Uh, do you find the other Jewish college coaches, do you, do you guys have an, uh, kind of a little bit of a fraternity or a little bit of an organization or anything? Yeah, you know, they have a Jewish Coaches Association, believe it or not, at the Final Four, and um, – so, uh, you know, I'm definitely involved in that. And uh, But it's every single year at the Final Four, they have a Jewish Coaches Association. It's fun to get together and catch up and so forth, I bet. In your career in coaching, and, you know, there's not there's not tons of Jewish-American people in, in college basketball. Well, there's some, but not tons. Uh, any any anti-Semitism ever come up? Anything come up where you're, where you're – uh, that was uh, challenging in that way at all? You know, I've never really been faced with anti-Semitism myself. Um, but uh, I've been fortunate. You know, I have, uh, you know, two young kids. And, um, you know, fortunately for them, they have not been approached with um, uh, any any anti-Semitism. But obviously what's going on right now in, in the world is crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's it's very disturbing that, uh, you know, the Middle East conflict doesn't seem to bring out the best in people. That's for sure. Um, Coach, I, I want we're going to move on from 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 this particular subject in a minute. But I want to ask you something. There, there's a, a really good college. I'm sorry, high school Orthodox Jewish baseball player in the Las Vegas area. And I guess this kid is really good. And he says that he wants to play college baseball. 
and professional baseball, but he says the Sabbath will preclude him from playing games and, and participating in practices on uh, part of Fridays and Saturdays. Um, how do you feel about that, Coach? Or, 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 or would you be willing to recruit a, uh, a young man who, whether he's Jewish or another religion, where he says that he will not be able to participate in certain games and practices because of religious commitments? How, how do you come down on that? You know, I think um, everybody has their own choice. And I think, you know, from a college standpoint, if the young man's good enough, they'll sacrifice those days. And, and Right. Would it be tough on a basketball team, though, with, with what, 12 players in a team to have one player who's not around all the time because of uh, religious activities? Would it make it harder on on a basketball team? Yes, I mean, it would definitely just, you know, especially your best player because, you know, they're Saturday games. So, full of conference, he would miss half the games. Right, right. It would, it would present some challenges. So, I guess what I'm kind of – tell me if I'm if I'm on the right track. It, it's possible it could work, but it but it would have to be a very unique situation, right? Yes. And I'm not sure how baseball set up with their schedule. Um you know, I, I, you know, as a pitcher, you're not pitching every game, you know, so maybe they don't have a pitch on Saturdays. That's true. That's true. I think basketball is a little different animal that way. All right, coach, here's a question I, I've asked all sorts of guests the last year, year and a half or so. And, and let me give you a couple answers to this question. Uh, one of my guests answered Floyd Merriweather. A couple guests answered Sandy Koufax, Tiger Woods. His name has come up. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell. Actually, I had the basketball legend Kenny Anderson on a few months ago. He answered uh, his answer is Joe Montana. Uh, Michael Jordan's name has come up. If you could have an interview or extended conversation with a living sports figure, could be a coach, general manager, player, agent, whoever, who would it be? I'm sorry, I, I broke up. Could you repeat that, please? Yeah, I, I'm curious um, if you could have an, a conversation or an interview with a living sports figure, could be an agent, general manager, player, somebody in the sports world, who would that person be if you could pick one? Uh, no, that's a great question. It would be Nick Saban for me. Nick Saban. Yeah, I'm fascinated by his process and what he's been able to accomplish over all these years, and, and that, that would be the guy I would love to talk to. And what a great name to add to this this list I have. And you, I know you're a native Louisiana, and he coaches at LSU, so you have a, a little bit of a tangential tie to him there. Yeah. Good name. Him being an LSU coach and Alabama coach, I would love to talk to him. The other name, a whole bunch of names. Another one I'll throw in is Serena Williams. One of my guests answered said that that's a person. Um, who's a deceased sports figure in history you would have loved to have chatted with or had an interview with? Wow. Um, that that's an amazing question. Um, <laughs> I've never even really thought of that, but probably Dean Smith. Great name. I bet you would have loved chatting with Red Auerbach. Yes, absolutely. Another another name. Dean Smith's a great name for that. Well, you're just giving me a, a few more answers to my little high horse questions there, but every guest has had something. Great to contribute when I when I've asked those two questions. Um, you know the Pac-12. You were you were an assistant at Arizona, and you also were an assistant at UC Berkeley, I believe. Um, the Pac-12 actually 
did pretty well in the tournament this year. What were they? I think three Pac-12 teams that got to, don't let me know if I have this right, they got to the Elite Eight. Um, is Was this just an aberration, or do you think it's a sign that Pac-12 basketball is uh, maybe on the rise? No, I think, you know, with UCLA and Nick Cronin, I think they're going to continue to get great players, and I think UCLA will continue to be great. USC had a fabulous year. And Colorado had a great year. And, um, you know, I think the Pac-12, just the talent, high school talent on the West Coast is so great that I think it will continue to be, uh, uh, you know, three-team, you know, sweet 16-type conference. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, there's been some criticism of, of Pac-12 basketball and Pac-12 football in recent years. But let, let's see. Um Appreciate your perspectives. Okay, so I know you've never coached in the Northwest, the state of Washington, but you, you coached in the Pac-12, and you mentioned you have a couple kids on your team from Tacoma. Um, I, I always like to get an outside-the-pond or outside-the-neighborhood perspective on something. Um, I'm a University of Washington graduate, and UW basketball, Joe, has not made the Final Four since 1950. Of course, it was a whole different Final Four then. We've had a few Sweet 16 appearances since the 80s, but we really haven't had consistent success. And your colleague, Coach Mike Hopkins, is under a lot of scrutiny right now. Do you have any thoughts, Coach, on why the University of Washington men's basketball program has just not been very consistent over the years? You know, what I would say is it's all about the players in the city of Seattle. And when they're great players there, I think, that's going to be a direct correlation of Washington being great. And, you know, Mike Hopkins, it's amazing. He won the Pac-12 several years ago. Right. He didn't get out of coach. Like, circumstances change. And, you know, when their point guard went out a year and a half ago, I mean, I think they were like 12-1, and one, and then he went out. And it just goes to show you that, Success, and I, I look at this from my own standpoint, selfishly. Sure. You could be on top of the world. And then one thing happens with a player, and your program's turned upside down. And um, the point guard went out, and then they didn't do well, and then this year it kind of carried over. But I think Mike's a good coach, and um, he's going to do just fine there. But I would say the success of, 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 the, of the University of Washington is directly tied to the talent in the city of Seattle. And the reason I say that, it's really hard to get a McDonald's All-American from Los Angeles to go to Washington over um, UCLA, USC, or Arizona, right? That's a good point. Or Stanford, even, if he's an academic kid. But it's much easier to keep one at home. Jalen, Jade McDaniels is a great example. Um, and then, you know, obviously they had a great, great big guy from New York, but that was because of Mike Hopkins' connection from way back. But that's not a normal occurrence. But I think that Washington goes back to the Final Four as the unbelievable talent, and there's great talent in Seattle, continues to be, you know, McDonald's All-Americans. That's the key, in my opinion. You know, all your points there, Coach, are, are so interesting. Let, let me ask you something else as part of this question about Washington basketball. Do, do you think there are certain universities that have major football programs that are known as football schools 
but for some reason trying to make the basketball program bigger seems to have some complications and vice versa. There's some schools that have had historically great yeah. basketball programs, one of those good football programs. Could that be part no, of definitely. it? Definitely. You know, definitely. But like you look at Alabama, look what Alabama did this year in basketball, what Florida Billy Donovan was able to do at a football school, two national championships. You know, I think you can have both. And those are just two examples. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. But boy, you really broke down Washington basketball. I can tell you're a real studier of, what's going on in other programs as well in, in our, in our conversation. Um, okay. I'm going to get, I'm going to throw a question to you here. And this is a, this is a hoops fan kind of junky question. I actually asked my, my cousin Josh and cousin Ari, this question uh, the other day when I was down in Southern California. So this is a question that, that I've asked a whole bunch of sports basketball fans and I get totally different answers to it. So I'm really curious to, to hear your take on it as a coach. Okay, Robert Horry has seven rings. He was known as Mr. June, great playoff player, um, kind of like a good supporting actor, I guess you could say, but not great regular season numbers. Do you think Robert Horry has a Hall of Fame case with his seven rings and amazing playoff performances? Uh, I don't think so, because I think you have to be a Hall of Famer is, is a is a night in night out job. So you you think despite the seven rings that would not be enough to get Horry in the in the basketball hall of fame? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had Eldridge Rakasner on former NBA player and he played with Horry and Eldridge agrees with you. Um, but I've gotten some other, you know, pretty studious basketball fans that think that Horry ha- has a case. It is a team game though, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I hear you. I think he's probably a long shot, but I was, I was just curious to get your college coaching perspective on that question. Uh, what is in the future for Joe Pasternak? I was just on a uh, recruiting call and the recruit's father said, with all the success you've had, how do we trust to send our son there when you might not be there? And I said, when, you come visit Santa Barbara, you'll understand. Every coach is going to tell you the same thing. They're going to be there forever. But you come to Santa Barbara, you see how amazing this place is. You know, for me, I really am motivated to build this university basketball program into a powerhouse. What could they have done and amazing? That would be a dream to be able to continue, and it takes so much time to do that. But that's what I really, really am motivated to do. You'd love to be a lifer at UCSB. You'd love to be like a Bear O'Brien of the UCSB basketball the last The last coach was here 19 years. The year the coach before Jerry Pym was here 16 years. So you like to stay at UCSB. Um, I don't blame you. Santa Barbara is just, just, just beautiful. Um, let me back up. This may be my last question, and I, I, I'd love you to, to also feel free to bring up anything that you, you'd like to mention. Um, March 2020, you know, College basketball was stopped due to the pandemic, and you know the pandemic's affected sports and other uh, organizations as well. And then last year, basketball resumed, but but it, most of the games didn't really involve any any major crowds. Um, how, how do you feel in the way the NCAA has handled the pandemic uh, issue since March of 2020? Where, where do you come out on some of those decisions? I think it's been unbelievable. We were in a bubble 
in the NCAA tournament to make sure it happened. And how they ran the bubble is historical. It'll never be duplicated. All the teams were in their hotels. We were in there together. We got tested every single day with practice. We didn't go outside. And they took no chances so they can have an NCAA tournament. And I thought they handled it incredibly well. Yeah, no, it it looked like things were under pretty good control, pretty good control in terms of dealing with the pandemic. Well, Coach, I really enjoyed this conversation today. It's been a real pleasure, and I think myself and my listeners have learned a lot, and I really appreciate you coming on uh, Sports Untold on RainierAvenueRadio.world. Well, hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. When you come down to Santa Barbara, look forward to meeting you. Likewise. I, I, I look forward to that, and I appreciate doing the time, and all the best with your program and your family and everything else. Thanks. You take care. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye.